This is the Scott Bradley Show podcast. It is Monday, though, before we get to any of the other stuff, and that means it is time to talk a little sports with Donald Robert, Robbins, Robertson. Boy, you can tell that I'm... Uh, Brand new. That I'm... My brain, I'm still a little fried. It's... Uh, I don't even know how to... And even know your name today, but uh, hey, thanks for coming in, even though I can't figure out who you are. <laughs> I'm, I'm about three days a week not knowing it, so you're fine. Uh, have you ever been down to Augusta, by the way? Not yet. Is it on the list? It, it is now. It sh- After it, talking to you for five minutes before the show started. You know what? What was really interesting to me about about this is I talked to a lot of people as I was walking around this week. I would say easily 80%, maybe higher, were first-timers. And I wasn't saying, hey, who's a first-timer? I just, as you talk to people, have you been here before? No, never been here before. Mm. The vast majority. Now, part of the reason for that is you have to try, you have to win tickets. You go on their website and you apply and it's a lottery to get tickets and you don't get tickets for the whole week necessarily. You might just get tickets for a day. There were, believe me, there were some people on, cause it poured rain. They closed the course on Monday cause it was almost a monsoon and Wednesday, the day of the par three tournament, they closed the course early. There were people who at least they got to see the course, but not much more than that. Um, you mean versus the perfect day like Sunday was. Exactly. Yeah. So but that's, you know, you, if that was your, so you could. Well, this, it's a golf is, tournament, right? This is the risk. You could fly down from Hamilton, Ontario, get a hotel and you've got tickets and it pours rain that day and they don't open the course because it's unplayable. That is the risk that sometimes can happen. You still go buy a Hamburg and a hat. Well, you, well if you can get in. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. If they, when they evacuate the course, they evacuate the course. But I will tell you, Don, it is, uh, it is one of those things that I, I, I had thought it would be really beautiful down there. I thought it would be worth seeing. It would, if I had not gone this week, it would be something that I would be going onto their website and trying to win a ticket for. Not you don't win the ticket; they win the right to buy a ticket for. I would. It, it, it is, it is that unique, and part of it is, and I don't want to get you know they they hate it when you talk about money, because remember it's not fans; it's patrons. Like it's very, very southern. It's not the rough, it's the first cut, the second cut. But the amount of money that they bring in with this tournament is astounding. When I went into the merchandise center, a few people I knew had either requested something or whatever else. The merchandise center, honestly, was like being in a cattle car. And all the cattle are in there desperate to give away their money if cows had money. I mean, it is, it is remarkable what people and how much people will buy. The guy in front of me dropped $1,300. And I don't think from talking to other people, I don't think that was an excessive amount of money relative to what other people were buying. I heard of another person who saw someone put down 4,000 bucks in stuff. It's, um, people say, Hey, I'm here once I'm going to buy it. Well, um, we chatted for a minute. I, I don't ever remember seeing a golf town or anywhere else a master sat. So, I'm betting that's the only place you can buy it unless somebody's firing off a bunch of takeoffs and sell them out of their back of their pickup down the road. And you know they got all kinds of spies nailing those guys. They are very, very, very particular about protecting their brand and their logo and their image. Believe me, they are very particular about that. And and you can't argue with the success they've had of doing that. 
You really can't. I mean, when you look around it and, and it's created almost a level of grudging respect, I think, from people who say, okay, I won't buy the knockoff because it's the masters. You're supposed to actually say it when you whisper. Every time you say it, you're sp- you know how <laughs> the red blacks, when you look at the red blacks name in the CFL, it's all capitals. So you're, apparently you're supposed to yell it. The masters is supposed to be spoken in hushed tones. I remember, I don't know how many years ago, and I don't think he's been back, Gary McCourt, uh, the commentator for CBS. Yes. Said that the green. He's a he, he's quite the quipper. He's uh, he's he's rather funny, and said the uh, greens. It seemed like they'd been bikini waxed. <laughs> it's not. You know, it's not a bad analogy. <laughs> no, but apparently the guys that run the Masters and in the same event or same tournament, he talked about some of the. Well, I would call them moguls, and they probably wouldn't like that either. They look like body bags along there. And he hasn't been back because they are that fussy. It hasn't been that long that you've been able to watch the front nine. I remember the big deal that no one knew what the front nine at Augusta was like because Augusta wouldn't let CBS televise until it got to number 10. I think it was, well, I was reading something this week that Tiger Woods said he had never seen the first five holes. That apparently at some point they started doing six and on. But he had never seen the first five holes until he played it the first time. Because you watch on TV yeah. all the time and he just never knew. I'll tell you though, and this was remarkable, and I was going to have her on today and just time, let's say, I've basically come straight here from the airport almost. So time just got away from me. But I'm standing yesterday at the 18th hole with 50,000 other people, by the way, lining the fairway for the extra hole for the, for the playoff between Sergio Garcia and, uh, and Justin Rose. And thankfully I'm tall, so I could kind of see I'm about three or four people deep in this just enormous, massive humanity. But there's this very lovely, friendly woman standing behind my left shoulder and she can't see a thing. I mean, she has no clue what's going on. So I'm now being the color commentator essentially for doing the play-by-play. So she has some clue that this is why... As as great as it is to be there, you do actually see it a lot better. It's at not home the best place to watch. It's, it's not the best place to watch. It's a wonderful experience. You get a much better build up. Anyway, she's it's, behind. That's just not. That's not just the masters. No. So she's behind my left shoulder, and I'm telling her what's going. on. Well, between as they finish, so when Garcia misses his putt to win on 18, and they're heading back down, and it's about a 20 minute turnaround to get to the extra hole. We get chatting, and I said, "Well, is this you know where are you from? Where'd you come here from?" And she's standing with her husband. She goes, well, we came from Connecticut. And I said, oh, has it been a good trip? And she goes, well, let me tell you what happened. She goes, Monday, we were supposed to come down on Wednesday because we had Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday tickets. They were one of the lucky pair that actually got tickets for the weekend, for the whole weekend. We were supposed to come Wednesday, and there were massive storms on the East Coast. I didn't realize this. Well, we knew that it was wet down there, but so the airlines had canceled a bunch of flights, so they couldn't get down until Friday night. They missed their first two days. Friday, she's in her hotel and starts not feeling well, and by two in the morning, she's in absolute crippling agony, and her husband has to drive her to the hospital. Saturday morning at nine o'clock, she has an emergency appendectomy. And I said, well, then why are you here? She goes, well, it's the master's. I checked myself out this morning and came and I said, have you been standing here? She goes, no, I walked the full 18. Holy crap. Yeah. And I said, are you, 
seriously? She absolutely seriously. She had, she had had an appendectomy less than twenty four hours before and was walking the course because she wanted to be at the Masters. She must be a hockey player. She wasn't missing any front teeth, but she might have been. <laughs> It's going to be pretty tough to do that, I'm thinking. She walked, though. I will say this. She walked. With, she had been to the merchandise store and had a few shirts or whatever, and she was walking holding it in front of her so nobody would bump into her. She was using like a belly pad <laughs> to make sure that nobody was going to um, do her in. Nobody was going to. Because can you imagine if someone had actually. Uh, anyway, it was. Um, it is It is one of those things to. Uh, it is one of those things to see. Let me tell you, I would, I would, I would do it. And I had not done it before and I had not, you know what? I'd not really had a burning must do to be there before. I'm going to try and go. I, I would have loved to, but it never was one of those things. Oh, I have to see this before I die. Now I would say, I would tell people, yeah, you really should. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to try and get tickets next time, uh, McKenzie plays there. He says it'll be next year. You know, he, uh, look, he, I, I, it was unfortunate that the local guy did not make the cut, I grant you. Uh, I will say this, talking to a number of the veteran players afterwards, you talk to them, and again, it's, you've seen this all on TV before. There's the clubhouse, and there's this big oak tree, I think it's an oak tree, but a big tree that's right out front, and you just talk to everyone under the tree. That's the sort of the meeting place where the media gets all of its quotes and talks to the players. None of the other veteran players... Larry Mize, who won it 30 years ago, Steve Stricker, a bunch of others, had ever seen conditions like they were facing on Thursday and Friday with the wind. You don't need that on your first trip, I'm thinking. Because it wasn't that it was just howling wind, although it was. It was gusty wind. If it was constant wind, you could factor in what you're going to do to try and play because the wind is always coming consistently. You would hit. So on. I, I was telling you this during the, the break, but... Mackenzie Hughes, his first round, I think it was the first round, might have been the second round, but anyway, they're playing on 11, which is the hole that Larry Mize beat. Remember when he beat Greg Norman with that 100 or 140 foot, whatever it was, chip to win in the playoff? Anyway, Charles Charles Schwartzel, who was playing in Mackenzie's group, hits a probably a 7 iron or an 8 iron, perfect shot. Right at the apex of its shot, the wind comes up like you can't believe, probably going 40 miles an hour, 45 miles an hour. The ball gets to the top of its arc and doesn't sort of peter out. It drops 90 degrees straight down. It hit this wall of wind and stopped. So Steve Stricker gets up next to hit and tries to play the wind, obviously, and goes, the wind stops as he hits and he goes 30 yards past where he was trying to get to. It's, it's, if you don't know the course, and it's a brutally hard course, and if you are factor, you're adding that element of degree of difficulty. It it doesn't surprise me that Mackenzie had that difficulty figuring it out. Um, they all did. There was lots of guys in the seventies, more guys in the seventies and eighties, and so on. Well, there were ninety three golfers, and I think after the first day, eleven were yeah. below par, and and only one of them had had a good round. I mean, one of them was seven under. And the rest were two, three, one under. It was it was exceedingly anyway. We don't want to go on this all night, but it was a. Uh, if you're someone who is listening, thinking, you know, I, w- I wonder if that would be something that's actually as good in real life as it is on TV. Let me say this. Yes, CBS has lenses on their cameras and angles and everything that make it look as perfect as it absolutely could be. I'm not. There's no denying that. I mean, you don't have the same angle of Amen Corner that they do. 
But I'll tell you what, it's pretty close. And if it's something that you're thinking, ah, maybe that's something that I should think about doing once upon a time, it, it is worth your while. It's expensive. Although, just before we go to break, they do, is for all the money they bring in, I'll tell you what, they leave a lot of money on the table, Don. Parking is free. The concessions, so the, the, the traditional master's snack is the cheese, the pimento cheese sandwich. Did you have one? One. <laughs> um, they're $1.50. So, I mean, at a Jays game, you buy a hot dog and it probably, I don't know what it costs now for a hot dog, six bucks, seven bucks. Probably. What's a beer? Uh, a beer was $4. I didn't buy any beers. I was working, but a beer was four bucks and a pop or an iced tea or a lemonade or a sports drink was two bucks. They leave a lot of money on the table that they could make. If they tripled their prices, people because would still they, buy it. they give you the cup too, right? You get a- you For get, the $4 for beer or the $2 And you for get a plastic tea. cup that has logoed as monogrammed and you bring yeah. that home. And people are walking around with these stacks of cups that they can get. It's, they leave a lot of money on the table. And I think part of it is it's kind of, yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of nice. It's kind of traditional, but it's also, we don't really need more money. I mean, I suppose anyone can say we need more money- this golf course just built what is reported to be anyway, a $60 million new press center. I was in it. It was the most lavish, ostentatious, over-the-top thing you could ever imagine. It was beyond, I mean, I felt almost ridiculous at some times. I mean, I'm grateful. It was lovely. I'm not complaining. But it was so over-the-top. You're, you're sitting there sometimes saying, this almost feels weird to be Did sitting they have here. Snacks? Snacks? Don, for lunch yesterday, I had uh, grilled swordfish in the full-service restaurant with the waiters sitting at my lovely table. It in, was- In the media room. Oh, in the media room. This was, uh, it, it is, it is, uh, my, my desk was an all wood, like mahogany wood with a plush leather chair and two touchscreen HD TVs. Just like at the spec. Looking over the driving range out the full picture window, the full length of the building. It is just, it, they have so much money it seems, that they're looking for ways to spend it. They don't need to squeeze you for every single dime that they get. And they, they, I think they really believe that they are kind of above that. The interesting, a couple of interesting things when you say that is it's for a four-day golf tournament. They use it for others. Th- well, I don't know if they're going to use the media center. But when right, I say- It's a four-day golf tournament. I mean, you know, the, most guys are there. You were yeah. probably there the whole week, right? Yeah. But in essence, it's for a four gate. So let's say I'm wrong, and it's for an entire week. And oh, when and you talk a, about the food, I get thinking, boy. And some of the councillors don't want to feed their counterparts during a break. There is a difference, though. Here, the co- city council of Hamilton would love to have the revenue streams that that Augusta does. And when I say they think they're above that, I don't mean it. I mean, maybe some people are going to take it as being that they're pompous. I, I wasn't taking it as that. I think they're looking at it saying we. The, the one thing, and I wrote about this the other day, that Augusta does and, and the Masters does better than almost anywhere else is the history. Yes. The history of the place, they let the champions golf perennially, which is why Larry Mize was playing and other guys were playing. Mike Weir. Mike Weir and, and Fred Couples, who actually did very well, and some other ones. So you can watch these guys who have and remember these great shots, but they love they love and they play up the history of the place. And if you're going to play up the history of the place, it's, it's kind of fitting that you would have prices from 1950 almost or 1960 that would be there and that it's a, it's a throwback kind of thing. So um, anyway, 
I don't want to bore people to death with uh, with this kind of stuff, but honestly, it was uh, it, it is something to put on your list if it hadn't been before. I would say that for sure. And if you are a golf aficionado, if you're someone who loves the game, you would be you would be missing out on something if you didn't. And and here's the thing, I'm not sure that the course itself. I mean, the course itself is is be, is above and beyond. But as I was walking around it, you realize, you know, the Hamilton Golf and Country Club is not Augusta. I'm not, I'm not pretending it is, but for all the other courses that I've seen, it's not relatively speaking miles behind it. It really isn't like we've got a a course in this city that is a real, that is a gem that it's not, as I said, I don't want to compare it, the money that flows into Augusta for the buildings, for everything else, for the upkeep, it is different. But as far as at the course itself. It's, it's not, it's different, but it's not crazy, crazy far behind. They have a legendary tournament and they treat it with the utmost respect. Is that a fair way to put it? Absolutely. And they have it every year. If, if, if yes. the Hamilton Golf and Country Club had it every year and it was their own show outside of the PGA Tour. Yep. And, right? And you, and here's That's the quite a thing. market to corner. And here's the one other thing. We got to go to a break. Here's the one other thing. Yesterday, during the green jacket ceremony, the chairman of Augusta pointed out that they have 1,200 volunteers every year. Basically the town of Augusta, the city of Augusta shuts down because it, this benefits the economy for everybody. It's spring break down there. So the place shuts down and they have 1,200 volunteers. If you could have 1,200 volunteers for the Canadian Open in Hamilton every single year, hold the tournament here every single year and guarantee that you're going to have the best 50 golfers in the world here every year so that you're going to get the money that comes from that. But as far as the course, I, I you know, I, I walked around and I said, yeah, Augusta is different. It's special. It's unique. But Hamilton is, it's not miles and miles and miles behind, which is to its credit, to our credit. Quick break. Back after this on the Scott Radley Show. Stay with us. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Let's go to the uh, sport that is starting its playoffs on Thursday. It's been a long time since we've been talking playoffs with the Maple Leafs, and it's a longer time if you were wanting to talk about playoffs with the Maple Leafs in a full season, because when they played Boston, however many years ago that was, remember that was the uh, abbreviated... 48th season, and they blew the two or three goal lead in the third period. Yeah, but that was an abbreviated season. 48 games. Yeah, I still don't believe the Leafs make the playoffs that that was a full season, based on their history a couple years before and a few years after of collapsing after the... Remember the Ron Wilson, the truck, the 18-wheeler going off the cliff. So this is really the first season that they are in there legitimately. First of all, do they have any chance at all against Washington? Best team in the in the East. There's no evidence to suggest they can win a game. So that's no. Sorry. Okay. Is a no, yes no. Or no question. No. You you don't you're not you're not holding them out as a great underdog that's going to pull off the David versus Goliath uh, well, well, and surprise a, everybody. I'm a Leaf fan, and I'd like nothing better for them because I'll tell you if they can win the Stanley Cup, it's good for the Canadian economy. That's how important it is that the Toronto Maple Leafs do well, but. Over the last three or four games, all they needed was another point to avoid playing them. So if you can't get another point, I mean, they could have been in second place 10 days ago 
and they caught the last wild card. So I would say the last four or five games were pretty big games. Maybe they were tanking because they really want to take their chances against Washington. I'm sure that's it. Now, they did (laughs) come back uh, quite nicely against Pittsburgh. And if they don't come back and win that game, they're probably, well, I don't know how Tampa did, but they could have missed the playoffs. So all they needed was a point, and they had a 2 nothing lead against Columbus, who didn't need to win the game last night. So where is the evidence that they're going to beat? Now, they're, they're, they're young, and they're going to be full of um, piss and vinegar, and they're going to go hard. So maybe they'll do well, but I'll tell you, they're playing against an awfully deep hockey team. Yeah, I I I don't really like their chances. Although I'll say this, if they could somehow win the first game in Washington, and I'm not suggesting they are the favorites, but if they do, based on Washington's history in recent years and a long history of not doing particularly well in the playoffs, I look at that. Now we know that Sergio Garcia won yesterday in the Masters. But a lot of people there were saying, oh, he's going to find a way to blow it because now it's in the back of his mind. I think the same with Washington. If the Leafs can somehow get up a game or even two, and again, I'm not suggesting that's going to happen, I think Washington becomes very self-aware of their playoff failings of the past. I just don't know that the Leafs can do that. That's the the problem with their chances. I don't know that they can do that. I hope they can. They don't have the experience. They don't have the expertise. Um, to suggest that they can do a lot in the playoffs. But they've got a bunch of kids that don't know any better, and it'll be a wonderful learning experience. I mean, maybe one of the premier players in the league at like 240 pounds, Ovechkin, he doesn't just snipe. I mean, he hits people, and he plays hard. Sometimes dirty. And sometimes dirty. And, you know, they'll find out that, you know, he can play mean to win, and he doesn't even have to be as good as he's had to be in the past. So you're talking about them winning game one and or getting up two games. What if that happens? And I'm sitting here thinking, saying, I don't think they can win a game. I and don't think they can win a game, and boy, do I ever hope I'm wrong because I want Joe Bowen and Jim Ralph to have the longest playoff run because if anybody needs extra wages for extra games. It's got to be those guys. I mean, you got to think about the the guys that do get cut out early, and I feel bad for those guys. Yeah, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not holding out a great deal of hope for the Leafs in this one. I'm not. In the future, yes. I think this team clearly looks like it is clearly heading in the right direction. But the one thing you have at, to your advantage, the one thing that you could play to your strength here is Washington's head because of what's happened to them in the playoffs in the past. If you can somehow cause them some problems, if you can somehow get them to start doubting themselves, because what you talked about with the Leafs young guys, they have no history. There's nothing, there's no, there's, and they've got nothing to lose in this. Nobody, I think most people are with you. Nobody expects them to do anything. Everybody expects Washington to win this. Here is the, uh, you said there's uh, one thing. I think there's two things that the Leafs have going for them. And the other one in fact, is um, they've already totally exceeded expectations. Yeah. Nobody thought that they would, if they, if they, you know, they were last last year and nobody thought they'd be last this year. Everybody thought, you know, Matthews is in. Maybe one of the other young guys can help them a bit. Nobody thought the Brown, Hyman, Marner. Nobody thought uh, Cadre would have a, a career year. Um, you know, so... 
what they've done is they've already over-exceeded their expectations, so they may have enough jump in their step to find some lightning in a bottle. I don't think so, but they're going to have to do well, and I don't even know if Anderson's going to play. Well, what, what Canadian team do you, do, think, do you think will do well? I mean, do, do you think the Canadians are going to do well in these playoffs? It's all on... Uh, um, Carey Price? Carey Price. It's all on their goaltender's... Uh, Shoulders and Edmonton, I wouldn't be surprised they take a bit of a run. What about Calgary? Don't think so. Ottawa? Uh, Ottawa could get lucky. I'm surpri- I think Ottawa are like the Leafs. I think they're surprised where they are. I think they're well coached. I think Boucher's done a good job. I think Mark Crawford's contributed a lot more than a lot of people give him credit for, at least around here. Um, Ottawa could s- surprise some people. Is there any... I'm jumping around a little bit, but is there are there any coaches other than Boucher in Ottawa or Babcock in Toronto that are going to get serious consideration for Coach of the Year this year? I don't. I, I can't. I can't see how. Jeez, oh, I, I can't think of Todd some, McClellan in Edmonton. How does he not get some consideration? Because but he he's had, got Connor McDavid. I guess he's got Connor McDavid, and they've underachieved for Cam so long. Talbot. And they added some players. They added Lucic and some others. So you expected they were. I mean, you've expected they're going to be better for a while. I. How does uh, 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 John Tortorella not get? Tortor- You're right. Tortorella might get some. I just. I'm not a fan of his, but it's they're not asking. They're not, it's not a popularity contest. Has he done well coaching? Well, he sure has. Who would you give it to out of those three? Out of Boucher, Babcock, and Tortorella? Well, I'd probably give it to Boucher because I like him. Um, I would say that probably. Uh, I would probably say Babcock. I think he exceeded more expectations than the other two, if that's the way you're determining it. He handled the young guys, put them in the right place. I'm not the biggest Babcock fan in the world, but you didn't ask me that question. You asked me who I thought. And he's probably, if you look at all three of those guys who took their team to higher standards was expected, I think he made the biggest leap. I think all three coaches did. I think Babcock surprised more people by getting the Leafs in the playoffs. The only thing that would give me pause on that one, because, again, I tend to agree, is Boucher has had to coach a team that has had a lot of injuries, a lot of stuff going on. Their goalie's wife got cancer. and yeah. You know, it's, it's been a... It, it's well, been, I like him. He was in Hamilton. He, he was. He was Bulldogs. A, I like Mark d- Crawford. He's a friend. I You know, I mean, th- that's... But Crawford isn't in the running. But I think the the you're right. I don't know. I I don't think there's a bad pick there. Sure, Tortorella. You don't want to have Tortorella up on the stage yeah, giving a, an acceptance a, speech. He is a wingnut. <laughs> He'd start. Yeah. I don't think. I actually don't think that most people who vote on this quietly. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe I'll be proven wrong. I don't think they want to give it to Tortorella. I think you give. I think there's a lot of people in hockey now that give an award to Tortorella if he's the only acceptable choice. Then it'd still be close. He Jack, is, he's Jack like, Morris isn't in the Baseball Hall of Fame because he's unpopular. He's like Mike Keenan. There's a lot of people that yep. don't like the guy, and yeah, you know, you don't want to make a mockery of the award, so if there's no other reasonable choice, if he is so far ahead, we're so, not going to make a joke about this. So they we'll were 80, 80 and 2. So you're really not going to, yeah, but you have two other acceptable, more than acceptable choices in Babcock and Boucher, and I may be forgetting somebody. I, not, not, nobody else comes to mind in that category. 
I just don't think Tortorella gets it. I think it's one of those two guys. Unless they split the vote. Unless well, you could give it to Claude Julian. He, he no, coached, you can't. No, sure you can't. He coached two teams that are in the playoffs. <laughs> okay, if you want to use that criteria. I don't, I don't think you can give it to a guy for half a year's coaching when you look at the others. But, yes, if you want to count his two teams, he did double the great. He was double the greatness of everyone else. We will take a quick break. Speaking of greatness, back after this on the Scott Radley Show. Stay with us. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Uh, Don, it's way too early, which I suppose is setting up the uh, correct answer to my next question, but... Is it too early to be in a panic about the Blue Jays yet when they're one and five and they look like they couldn't hit off a tee? Well, they play 162 games. That's so why I say is it too early. early. It's it's uh, you want to be one in five? No, but at some point this year they were going to go one in five. Uh, it looks god awful when it's you're one in five out of six. You've only played six. It magnifies it a lot. But yeah, I mean they're they're in a bit of a slump. I mean, they've got a good team. They may, you can't keep stumbling though, because sometimes you can't make up what you've lost. People always talk about, oh, the games in September are really important. You know why games in September are important? Because you lose these ones. Because you lose these ones and now you have to make up for them. And when people are saying, oh, well, it's only April. A game in April is worth just as much as a game in September. They count just the same in the schedule. That's exactly in the standings. But the, you know, like I said, they're going to be one in five at some point. They're going to be one in five again, and they might go twelve and two and Could. lose, go one in five and go twelve and two again. And if they do that, they're going to be fine. Obviously, if they keep playing at this rate, they're going to be in. Well, they'll end up playing in Buffalo. They'll be so bad they'll make them finish the 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 the, the year in AAA. But my my one concern about this, and it's. It's not a, a harbinger of great doom. It's last year, a week or two into the season, the early talk was, why are these guys striking out so much? It was suddenly a thing, when, and, and everybody said, oh, it's too early to worry about strikeouts. They'll figure it out. And they struck out all year long a billion times. That never changed. They suddenly became a strikeout team. You could strike out the Blue Jays. And those early signs of trouble on the offensive side of being striking out a lot stayed all season. I'm not saying that guys like Tulowitzki and Martin and Bautista are going to hit under 200 for this whole season. I don't believe that. But sometimes there are indications that maybe, maybe there are some flaws in there somewhere. And I don't know. I, I agree with you that it's way too early, but... You would like to think that somebody on your team would have come out of spring training looking good on the offensive side. Somebody. Why is this? You've covered games, the sports like this your entire life. Why is hitting contagious when you coach your kid's team? Why is hitting contagious and it is? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with the pitching, first of all. Because I think that you, you get it. There's a lot of times you're hitting off a pitcher who's not throwing great pitches. So if you can get a couple of guys that get hits and you can see what he's throwing or a guy is throwing, he's getting the ball over the plate, you can you can hit it. As yeah, for why, it, it's a confidence thing. Everything yeah, in he, sports. But he's not going to last long, Scott. But everything, You're going to knock him out of the box in the third inning. Everything in sports is about confidence. 
Yep. There's two things. Two thi- I, I will argue this I agree. all That's, day long. There are two things in sports. Hitting isn't contagious, but it, it is a matter of confidence. That's confidence and the and being relaxed. Those are the two. If you can be relaxed, whatever you're doing, and feel like you are going to succeed at what you're doing. And again, I'm, I don't mean to do this, but let me take it back to golf because I just watched golf for a whole week. If you and, and anyone who has ever golfed knows exactly what I'm talking about with this. If you're about to hit a shot and you and you never have those moments when you feel like, hey, this is going, you feel like it's going to be a good shot, you then commit to that shot and often it will work. If you don't, if you go, oh, I've got to chip it up and it's a short chip over a bunker, you're either going to blast it by or you're going to put it in the bunker because you're, you're trying to, you're aiming it. You're trying to not do what your body tells you to do. That is what I'm talking about with baseball. If you believe that you're going to get a hit up there, if you start seeing everyone else doing it and you're relaxed and you're confident, you're just going to commit. And when you see that pitch, you're going to not second guess yourself. You're going to swing at it. You're going to, you're going to do it. There's a lot to be, I mean, the it, guys will tell you, it's like the ball's coming in like a beach ball and everything Well, there's else. that time too. When the With respect really... to hitting the golf ball and knowing you got the confidence you're going to hit it, well, I've never had that feeling. Really? But I understand it's out there. I've had it about three times. Yeah, well, I won't even play in 40 years. It'll come. The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900. AM 900 CHML.